Good morning. God is a mighty good God, isn't he? And the God who we serve, he is surely worthy to be praised. I want to thank you all for being so kind, and you have been uh, throughout uh, this day, and also uh, to your very fine pastor. It's about 11.33 now. He'll get up to preach here in about 10 minutes. I need y'all to pray for my brother. As we were sitting together and we were planning this out, he says, now, Mike, you know, now, I'm not used to being interrupted. I say, well, I'm going to pray for you, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Say, because we holler at you at my church. Well, Terry Moore, he gets a kick out of that. He loves coming. He just says, my God, they do that the whole time. Yeah. So it, 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 it is a blessing. I look, forward to, uh, I look forward to talking to him later on the day. We'll get out about 1.30 or so. I'll get, amen. So we'll, yeah, amen. That's so he'll still be there when I get done here. So he'll be, he'll be fine. We, we, we praise God for this opportunity. It, it, is, it is one uh, that uh, we will cherish from now on. Amen. Amen. If you would, open your Bibles to John, the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 15. John, chapter 15. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. John, chapter 15, beginning at verse number 9. And the Scripture reads, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. A greater love has no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Final verse. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Amen. I thought, about, I thought about our time together. God blessed me with this scripture. I, I thought, what, what, what should we talk about? So then as a, as a subject just to bear in mind, I want to talk about being called to unity in the spirit of God's love. Being called to unity in the spirit of God's love. Indeed, it is a blessing and it is a privilege to share with you this Memorial Day weekend. This is the time, of course, when we as a nation offer our most sincere gratitude to men and women in arms and our first responders. Unfortunately, thousands of them 
have paid the ultimate price by giving their lives on behalf of freedom and the American way. I've been blessed in my time of service here in God's country, Mansfield, if you're a guest, that's what we call ourselves. Since 1989, God has allowed me as I serve at BBC, I've, I've traveled this world and served on mission in several countries and I am here to tell you that there is no place on this earth like our United States of America. No place, no place, no place, no place. However, I, I need to admit, and I believe that some of you will as well, I must admit that it seems as if we have lost our way. We're not as united as we should be. In some cases, rather than one nation under God, we seem to have divided ourselves into many nations. So several months ago, your pastor and I, we got together and we were talking and, and, and we were asking ourselves, how will we ever change this mentality, this division and derision that has risen in our country? A change toward true unity and community how do we affect that? How do we, how, do we, how do we make something happen? And we agreed together that if we're going to do anything, that the change has to begin with us and in us. In our churches. No, now when I say our churches, I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the church. I'm not talking about Baptist churches or Methodist churches or Catholic churches or Presbyterian churches. I'm talking about the ecclesia. I'm talking about the called out ones. I believe that's who we have in this room. The church, the real church. Not this edifice, not this cool address that y'all have, 777. <laughs> I like that, by the way. <laughs> not our denominations, folks. Not black church, not white church, not rich church, not poor, not rural, not suburban or urban. No, I mean those who have been born again. It starts with us. I'm talking about baptized believers. I'm talking about those of us who recognize the fact that we've been bought by the blood of Christ. I mean that chosen generation, the one Peter talks about, that royal priesthood, this Effort for unity must begin again with us. When I, when, I, when I was reading this, I can hear the Spirit say that we are supposed to be the true church. We are called, every one of us, as believers, we are called to be united, not divided. Galatians chapter 3 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For the scripture says, You are all one in Christ, we are to be united, brothers and sisters. Ephesians 4 teaches us and convicts us, convicts me, 
There is one body. There is one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and as the King James Version says, in you all. <laughs> he was a southerner, y'all knew that, right? <laughs> we, we, we ought to be united under the covering of, of, of God's love. And, and one thing that I believe that we can agree on and I bet I'll get an amen right about here. He did love us, didn't he? He loved us then, and he loves us now. Romans 5 is clear, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. King James says, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, now listen, that's real love. That's not, that's not eros. That's not... That's not that's not, you know, pornographic, freaky stuff. That's, that's real love. That's, that's not phileo, you, you know, quid pro quo. You like me because I like you, you, you know, or if you don't like me, I won't like you at all. That's not that kind. This is agape love. This is, this is an unconditional love that he's talking about. Love me no matter how unlovable I am. Love me with all of my blemishes, all of my shortcomings. Love me with all of my fallibilities. Love not the misbehavior, but love me into right behavior. That kind of love. That's the kind of love that we are called, every one of us, we're called to embrace. King James Version mentions this love 310 times. In 280 verses, he says it over and over and over again, love. And in this scripture this morning, John, the gospel writer, brings it up again. The beloved disciple brings it up again. The son of Zebedee and Salome, Mother Mary's sister Salome, one of the sons of thunder, John, the youngest of the disciples. John demonstrates to us what real love is because when everybody else, when all of the other disciples left Jesus, John was there at the foot of the cross. That's real love. John was loved by Jesus to such an extent to where Jesus commended, gave to him his dear mother. And John kept his vow all the way till the end of her life. That's love. John loved him so much when they put John out on the Isle of Patmos, they put him out there, they exiled him, they put him there hoping that he would lose his mind. But instead of losing his mind, he found Jesus out there. You remember what he said? When he was out there on the Isle of Patmos, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. John has awesome pedigree. He writes to us here in chapter 15 of, of his gospel. He opens to us the scene, the closing act on the Last Supper. Jesus gives to us his farewell discourse. He gives to them his closing address. And he says in verse number nine, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just 
as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. This is my commandment. This is my commandment that you men, that, that you all 11 of you, Judas was gone now, that, that the 11 of you, that you will love one another as I have loved you. When we read this text, in regard to the way that it relates to us as people of faith, we hear the Lord Jesus in his closing discourse saying to them and saying to us, I command you to love one another. He does not say, I suggest to you that you love them. He says, I'm giving a direct order. I'm charging you. I am commending and demanding that you love each other, disciple to disciple, that you love each other. In our context, Christian to Christian, and in this church, member to member, that you will love each other. And when he says love, he's again talking about that unconditional form of love where you're loving me without cause or condition, where you're loving me without expectations for reimbursement. Let's <laughs> see, he got that. You're loving me <laughs> without prospect, you must owe somebody some money, without prospect of opportunities for bounty. You're loving me without prejudgment. You're loving me without stereotypical labels, preconditions of provocation. You just love me because I'm just like you. I'm a child of God. Why? My wife, bless her heart, I love her so hard, been married 30 years. She said, Michael, you say love a lot in this sermon. I said, yeah, you know, it's amazing. Why would Jesus, why would he have to remind his disciples that they should love one another? Wait a minute. These men had been with Jesus for three and a half years. These men, they've been through some things. They, they've literally been through storms with him. They've seen the man walk on water. They've seen the man give sight to the blind. They, they were close to him. They ate with him. They all slept in the same room. They were, they were there. They were there when miraculous things were happening. They, they should be close because of the stuff that they've been through, the hard time that they had encountered because of the opposition they were receiving from the Pharisees and Sadducees and then he still had to say to them but you I'm on my way out of here and you need to be reminded that you must you men all 11 of you you must love one another why in the world would he say such a thing well when we read the text you'll discover that there were some things going on beginning at chapter 13 where this dinner begins he has to remind them friends because there was tension in that room. There was tension in that room. If you read Matthew chapter 20 when you get home and Mark chapter 10 and Luke chapter 22 and John chapter 13, oh, there was tension in the room. There was tension in that room because James and John asked for choice seats in the kingdom. That'll make for a little tension in the room, won't it? There was tension in that room because they were beginning to seek positions of authority for themselves. It was tension in that room. They weren't really loving each other a whole lot that day. There was tension in that room. There, 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 there was tension. Jesus says, Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. They began asking, is it going to be me? I don't know about you, but that makes for a pretty tense situation. Peter, 
himself. Lord have mercy, Peter was there and, and Jesus was washing the disciples' feet and, and, and when he got to Peter, Peter pulls his foot back and says, oh no, you're not going to wash my feet. Well, Jesus says, look buddy, if I don't wash your feet, if I don't, if I don't wash your feet, you're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. That's tension in the room. Christians, have you ever been in a situation where there's been tension in the room? Tension in the room with other believers? Tension in the room with people you know, maybe you prayed with them, maybe you've sang in the choir with them. Tension in the room. It's amazing when there's tension in the room, people feel quite uncomfortable. Uh, folks, they're afraid to say anything when it's like that. Scott, you know, people get tight in the neck, eyes get watery, they clench their teeth when there's tension in the room. <laughs> Woman comes in, Mark chapter 14, one comes in with an alabaster box and she breaks open the box. There's spikenard oil in the box, expensive oil in the box. And, and, she, and, and, she, and she, she anoints Jesus. And the disciples say amongst themselves, oh, we could have used that oil for something else. We could have, we could have given the money to the poor. We could, that makes for tension in the room. But he says, you're going to have to love each other even when there's tension amongst us. We're going to have to love each other. He, he's talking to us. He speaks through the generations and he says that even in the most uncomfortable moments, he reminds us over and over. He says, don't just love each other, but I want you to abide in that love. He's saying that that temporary feeling of euphoria that you have, he says it needs to hang around a while. When you abide, that kind of love that you have is going to have to be the same kind of love that the Father had for me. He says, I loved you just like that, and I want you to love each other. When you abide in that kind of love, you have a tendency to get saturated in that love. That kind of love, oh, it can be, it can be contagious and contaminating. That, that, kind of, that kind of love just covers you, and no matter what you're going through, in times you will have the joy that he's talking about. That joy that he says, when you love each other like that, your joy will be full. That means that you have and you share a sweet assurance, a self-assurance, in knowing that you cannot, no matter what you do, you cannot be separated from my love. That's mighty good news. That kind of joy becomes encouraging. That's the kind of joy that makes us work together. That's the kind of joy that causes every one of us to be motivated to pool our resources together. It's that kind of joy because he says with this joy, one of the things that you'll discover is that when you love like that, that love is going to bear fruit. That means it's going to be productive. You won't just talk the talk, but you'll walk the walk and, and things are going to happen with you, in you, and through you. That's the joy he's talking about. That's the joy that is to be the challenge of our community here in Mansfield. It's that kind of joy that causes us to look beyond our economic conditions, to look beyond our past, to look beyond our surnames, to look beyond the color of our skin, to look beyond all of that stuff that has a tendency to make us undesirable. It's a love that we share because Christ 
is in us. That love, that love, that love will cause you to do some things. Verse number 13 says, that's a good love. What kind of love is that? Greater love has no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's the kind of love he's talking about. It's a self-sacrificing love. It is sacrificial love. Voluntary surrender. It's deliberate abandonment of your life to Christ. It's when you give up your rights to your free will. It's when you abandon your desire to please yourself and look to Jesus, that kind of love. It's that willingness to make yourself subject to the Lordship of Christ. And when you begin the process of surrendering yourself to the Lordship of Christ, then you can lay down some other things too. We can lay down old attitudes. We can lay down bad behavior. We can lay down destructive habits. We can lay down deceit and hypocrisy. We can lay down gossip and we can lay down old stereotypes. We can lay that stuff down. You know why? Because that love makes us friends. Friends to Christ Jesus. Friends that connects every one of us because of his sweet Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's a mighty good thing. We're friends now. He says to them, graduation day is upon us and you are no longer to be called my servants. You're no longer to be called disciples. I call you friends and I chose you. You didn't choose me. I, I, I chose you. Why, Lord? Lord, with all of my shortcomings, oh, but I chose you. Lord, with all of my deficiencies, my, I mess up all the time. That's all right, but I chose you. You're my friends. And because you're my friends, I'll give you divine insight. Because you're my friends, there will be some things that you'll be able to do that will blow your mind. Because you're my friends. Because you're my friends, you will experience extraordinary things. Well, I bet there are some people in here. God has worked to work through you and you didn't even know that it was you because you're his friends. He says again, you are my friends. And if you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. I hear somebody. How are we in this together? Well, John 15 and 5 helps us with that. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So then, that original thought, we're called to unity in the spirit of love. What does that mean? If we together recognize together that we are Christ's, possessions together, that we are connected to the vine together. It means that we will bear fruit. That fruit will be seen all over Mansfield, Texas. That means that we are bound by our common providential purpose. That means that we will share common concerns and we will care about the very same things. 
Oh, here are some examples. Every senior adult will become our concern. Am I right? Every person's child will matter. Am I right? The well-being of every family becomes our undertaking. Am I right? We nurture our couples. We will encourage our singles. We will protect the helpless. We will even assure dignity for our dead because we will love each other. We bear fruit because we are children of the Most High God. So today, myself included, if I dare deny the command of my Christ to love each and every one of you, if I dare allow the past, if I dare allow hurts, if I dare allow my own prejudice, if I dare allow my own foolishness to keep me from loving you, I have failed my God. And for every one of us in this room today, as I go back to West Broad, I say to you, know who you are in Christ Jesus. Know that he has knitted us together Know that, that, that that is the greatest thing that we share and we together are the greatest hope that not only Mansfield has, but the state of Texas has, that our country has, that our world has, because he says to us, I'll abide in you. You will abide in me and we shall bear much fruit. I say to you like I was on a pulpit at a pulpit in Bethlehem Baptist Church. With that in mind, I cannot help myself. The joy that I have, listen, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. I'm so glad that when I came to know Jesus, there were some things about myself that I had to put aside. And I looked in the mirror and I said, look here, son. You're not as holy as you think you are. Unless you have Christ walking with you, unless he's in our hearts and in our conscience, you won't be the man you need to be. Then I come to learn that about everything that I do. And I pray that you will share the same kind of prayer. Oh Lord, take a good look at me. Love me no matter what. Oh God, take down those barriers that divide me that keep me away from fellow disciples, that keep me from serving with fellow Christians. Oh God, make me better so that your joy, your joy will be complete. Amen. 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 God be praised. Let us pray. Let us pray together. God be praised. God be praised. God be praised. God bless you. 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 Gracious God, our Father, who loves us all, who's there with us, even when we attempt to run from you because you're omnipresent, you're everywhere all at the same time. We're not east, we're not west. 
we're not north and we're sure not south, but Lord, we are one family. Help us today to hear you command us to love each other. Oh, Father in heaven, help us to take this commandment home with us, to the office with us. And Lord, help us to work hard in not letting you down. And merciful God, every now and then, when we stray, make us to see, feel, and know that your outreached hand is there to welcome us back into the fold. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we pray together. And the people of God all said amen. 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 amen.